This is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast on June 9th, 2015. Tonight, our spotlight is on the NFC North. Happy Tuesday evening, Jason. It's a good start to the show, would you say? It is. Uh, as long as we can start the show. So, <laughs> deja vu, yeah. My, my name is Dave, across from me is Jason. Uh, we are doing, we're trying to do anyway, all of the divisions in the NFL. And we've done, I think, already three of them, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Tonight we'll mark the halfway... <laughs> this beer is really strong. Tonight, we'll mark the halfway point in getting through the divisions. Um, right. We've done the NFC and AFC West. We've done the AFC North. And tonight is the NFC North, the Packers, the Vikings, the Lions, and the uh, Bears. Okay, and what are we drinking tonight? So, we have the Control Freak Imperial IPA, Rakao. Did we figure out what Rakao means? We did not figure that we out. We did not figure it out. <laughs> so, it is... Uh, it, this is an interesting one. So it's brewed and packaged for 51st Ward Brewing Company at Church Street Brewing Company from Itasca, Illinois. Would that be a New Zealand Rakao? Um, I, I don't know. Like the kind of hops? Oh, uh, it's a kind of hop. Uh, that makes sense. Yep. Okay. Alpha acid, 9 to 11%. I don't know what any of that means. There is a gigantic world of brewing beer that like I don't know a damn thing about. Well, it's good that you recognize that, you know. Um... Uh, What's funny is that I, I wanted to for a minute there, like try to brew beer, and I knew that you know being uh, very like uh, analytical, etc. I could I could be a good brewer, but I would you have could to figure it out. I would have to do all of it. I would have to focus all my attentions on it, and I don't have enough time. So I've decided to just drink all the amazing brews that everybody else makes. Leave it to the experts, and uh, and not do that myself. That's kind of <laughs> how I look at it. Like. We can make a meal that's better than like a lot of restaurants that you'll go to. Sure. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Sure. I, I'm not going to make a beer that's better than what I can go to the store and buy. Uh, some of the things at the store, maybe. I'll make a better Bud Light, probably. A better Bud Light. <laughs> He's like, screw the wheel. I'm going to try for a better Bud Light. I'm just going to urinate into a pitcher and then serve it to a bro. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. Well, we, we've... We've decided, I guess, that Jason doesn't like Bud Light. Okay. <laughs> now, moving on to the... Uh, Call me a snob, I don't care. Well, this particular beer that we have tonight is, uh, what, 11.6% alcohol? Yeah, and actually, we're overdue to take the beers out of the fridge. So, keep going. All right, grab it. <laughs> uh, so, while he goes and grabs our next beers, I'm going to go ahead and tell you about the beer that we're drinking here, and then move into the show. So, this is called Control Freak Imperial IPA. And uh, it's from a company called 51st Ward Beer Company. No politics, just great beer. I love the slogan. I think they're a Chicago brewing company, but I'm not exactly sure where they are. Uh, although I have been to a lot of local places, and we, we are from the Chicago area. I have not been to that particular one just yet. Uh, but the show tonight is about the NFC North. It's about the uh, fantasy implications of the players. Uh, basically... What's happened in the offseason, will that affect how they performed? And regardless of, of that uh, uh, affectation of the players, uh, how do we think they're going to perform going forward based on the current formation of their teams? 
Is that accurate? Right. How is it going to affect the team and uh, people's production? Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll start at the top, right? Always a good place. The Green Bay Packers won the division last year. They made it to the NFC Championship game. Um, they have re-signed Randall Cobb. They've re-signed Scott Tolzien. They've drafted Ty Montgomery in the third round, a wide receiver. Really the only kind of relevant draft pick that they had in terms of fantasy. Um, and one of the interesting things, so they signed Kyle Sebetic, a safety from the Giants. Their only free agent signing in the offseason. They didn't sign like any other random people. They didn't pick up a punter. They signed one free agent all year. So like some other teams, that means that the Packers are one of those teams that does not really take players from other places than their own team and their own system. They don't like to retrain people. Right. They build everything. Uh, everything is homegrown there. And They're we were very, just talking about uh, this earlier today. Very crunchy. How the, the Packers are now like America's team, basically. It used to be Dallas, right? Um Dallas used to be the team that the majority, not the majority, the biggest percentage of the NFL fans uh, were a fan of the Cowboys as opposed to any other squad. Sure. But now, according to a couple of studies that I've read over the last year or two, it is the Packers. And the last one I read had a whopping uh, 25 or 30%, which is a quarter or more of all NFL fans being fans of the Packers. Now, there's a reason for that, right? And let's just... There's more than one reason, I suppose. Well, we'll get into it. But, uh, okay, who did they get rid of? So, uh, the departures from the team were Jarrett Boykin. He's now on the Panthers. Matt Flynn, one of their backup quarterbacks, is no longer there. Although, what they've done with Matt Flynn in previous years is um, they would let him sit there as a free agent and let him, quote-unquote, test the market. And no one would ever want him because he's only successful on the Packers. And then they would just re-sign him at the end of the offseason. So it's possible that they'll pick him up again as a third guy. But they did <laughs> sign Scott Tolzien. Wouldn't that be funny if Matt Flynn uh, comes back again after being passed over or, or signed and then dropped? They did you know, they did sign Scott Tolzien. You're only a Packer. One year at $1.35 million would indicate he is Aaron Rodgers' backup. And they drafted, I think in the fifth or sixth round, a sort of quarterback project for Mike McCarthy. Um, so it's possible that they don't go back to the Met Flynn well this year. Sure. Uh, Dewan Harris, a uh, one of the members of the running back committee who was far behind Eddie Lacy in the If you chart. remember a couple of years ago, was it two years ago, when Dewan Harris was a guy that was popping up in the playoffs and could have been the guy who took uh, control of the entire backfield. Right. But I believe he got injured after putting up a couple good games. Something like that. And, and then we just haven't seen him. Really, since. like, you can't bet against the Stark in the North. So James Starks is the way to go there. Yes, Game of Thrones. Okay. And then they also lost to the Vikings Brandon Bostick, a tight end, uh, who was dropped by the Packers and picked up on waivers. So um, Dewan Harris and Bostick both were just kind of cut from the team, wound up on the Vikings. So I wouldn't read too much into how poor they were. They just didn't like them. those players. They weren't going to fit on the team. And they're replacing them. I mean, the Packers are a team that I believe last year at one point, the only free agent on their team was Julius Peppers. Everyone else was drafted by the Packers, which is just uh, incredible. And I think that is one of the things that builds their popularity. When you have a team and the players you like never leave that team, then you're not going to maybe follow that player to another team. or Because obviously, look, the, that 30% of people... They don't live in Wisconsin, let alone Green Bay. 
so they're all over the country. Their allegiances can certainly shift uh, with whatever team that they like. And that changes. Like there, there was once upon a time when most people liked the Dolphins or the 49ers or the Cowboys. Uh, and there's always been teams like the Bears and the Steelers um, and uh, several other teams that have huge followings. Uh, right now... The 49ers. Or one of those teams. I, I mentioned that already. Oh, yeah. my bad. The Dolphins and 49ers, because they were dynasty teams for a little while. Um, but anybody who's winning and or anyone that has the, the majority of, of the talent uh, in their division becomes a popular team because of the fact that they can win consistently. Right. They don't disappoint you. And they're not, you know, they... As if there was a right way to win, you know, people will say... They win the right way. You well, know? you think Tom Brady and you cringe a little bit, you know. Sure. There's plenty of people who are going to look at the Patriots and just, you know. It's not likely that Aaron Rodgers ever has one of those uh, of those moments. Aaron Rodgers loves fully inflated balls. <laughs> so, so tell us about uh, how you feel about the individual positional players. Maybe uh, start out with uh, the wide receivers on the team. Okay. So um, last year... Cobb and Nelson were obviously their best two receivers. Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, who just got re-signed. Jordy Nelson, in a standard league, finished second overall in scoring. Randall Cobb finished sixth overall. So it reminds you of like Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey from the previous year, right? They had the best wide receiver tandem in the league, and uh, that translated to lots of success for the team, lots of fantasy success for anyone who owned those players. Now, the question is, will they be able to repeat that, right? So I looked at a team that was similar to that in 2013, the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos had uh, Eric Decker, they had uh, Demarius Thomas, and they were a huge powerhouse. So last year, they had Demarius Thomas and, um, what's his face, Emmanuel Sanders as their one-two punch, right? And Julius Thomas, who scored. And Julius Thomas, who was a tight end. So that's the, I don't know, their fourth guy. Julius Thomas was injured a little bit. He finished... Uh, in the lower half of the top ten, but uh, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders finished third and seventh in terms of wide receiver. So there wasn't a very big drop-off like there was with Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey. So what's that mean? So I think that uh, the picks of Nelson and Cobb as WR1s in the top ten wide receivers being picked is totally you know warranted this year, I'm sure, that their ADP is already like, uh, you know, in is already up there, right? It's got to be in uh, the second round, I would imagine, for most of these guys. Uh, so couple that with Rogers, couple that with Eddie Lacy, and you've got a very, very strong fantasy core on this team. If you can land one of those four guys, then I think that you're going to be in really good shape. Aaron Rodgers finished second at wide receiver at quarterback. Jordy Nelson finished second at wide receiver. Randall Cobb finished sixth at wide receiver. Eddie Lacy finished sixth at running back. Yeah, we're looking at like seven and ten. So both uh, both barely top ten guys, but both squarely, but top ten overall. Both squarely in there. So I'm thinking. No, no. Well, that's that's top ten at their position. Uh, yes. Okay. If, if you're talking about overall ranking, then then you're looking at more like a uh, a third or fourth round at the latest. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about Randall Cobb, for example. Uh, so he is probably right now averaging out at about the twenty fourth pick, uh, which would be in the third round. Yeah. 
Um, and then, obviously, I think the not more talented necessarily, but the guy that, that Aaron Rodgers tends to throw to all the time uh, is... Is Jordy Nelson. Yeah, and so Jordy Nelson is... He's up there at ADP of 19 or 20, which is going to be in the second round. Uh, so end of second, uh, middle or end of third. Uh, and the reason for that is because of all the talents in the draft. Because people like Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, they're all on top of them. You know, uh, I think people, when they draft, they draft for ceiling, not for floor. Now, if they were to draft for floor, then I would put Nelson and Cobb probably in the top six. Yeah, because, I would too. Because they're going to perform as long as they're not injured and Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. Yeah. But some of these other guys could have better years. Uh, but to your point, uh, Eddie Lacy and uh, Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, should all three of them be pretty firmly within like that top 30? So to have three of your top positional players in the top 30 players of the entire NFL is insane. Because that's less than one player per team if you if you average those. Out. Right, right, and yet this team has four. So the talent ratio of this team is out of this world, which is why everybody loves them so much. They have thirty percent of the fans, but more than thirty percent of the talent. They do. <laughs> they technically do. Yes. So I think it's pretty clear that uh, you're going to want to draft all four of those guys high. They're kind of almost no brainers. Like aside from injury, which we've always said at the beginning of seasons, you can't. Draft guys, wondering if they're going to get hurt. Is there anybody wondering else, if they're going to be out for the season? Anybody else you would pick up from the team as far as the fantasy uh, value? And then as far as Eddie Lacy is concerned, uh, some people have put him at number one overall. Some people have put him at number five overall. Where would you put him? Okay, so uh, you were you touched on one of the questions I was going to get to, which is who else uh, other than these four will provide some fantasy value this year? Um, so I think that Devontae Adams, especially with Jared Boykin leaving, is going to be picking up some of the wide receiver three work. Uh, now, remember that they did draft a third-round wide receiver. Third-round guys can get in and have some action. This was also a really good wide receiver draft. Right. Not as good as last year, but still good. Right. Um, so, you know, we should check back in with Sean, our rookie guy, before the season starts and get his... Uh, Get his take on Ty Montgomery. I don't think we've asked him about that guy. Well, Devontae Adams, let's talk about him for a second. So he started off the season doing pretty well. Um, The first four games, he had a total of nine catches for about 80 yards. No touchdowns, though. Kind of did scattershot throughout. Um, didn't really, you know, have any really big games after that, except for one against New England, where he had 121 yards on six receptions. Uh, and I don't have the facts here, but I'm going to assume that that means that uh, New England covered Cobb and Nelson really well, so there was nobody there to take Adams. You mean New England? Like in the game they played against New England? Yeah, November 30th. Uh, so anyway. Um, I, I think Adams might not be the target to look at as a WR3. I might look more at the rookie because uh, in the last four games <clears throat> of the season, he only had four receptions for about 25 yards. Yeah. He wasn't even really being looked at by by Rodgers. Yeah, that was a very interesting game. So you are... It's like he gave him the opportunity. He never really flashed. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I think, if I remember that game correctly, the Packers had to have a drive at the end to win. So yeah, the 6 for 121 looks great for Devontae, but Randall Cobb still had 7 for 85. Nelson had 2 for 53 and a touch. Well, he outperformed game. both of them, though. He did. He so, did. 
I'm thinking that means because New England had really good defensive backs last year. They don't have them anymore. Their defensive backs won them the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, they did. They have that guy still. They kept the I, – I don't even remember his name. The guy who had the interception. That guy they kept him. wasn't even one of their top dudes. No, he wasn't. He wasn't uh, Aqib Tlaib or um, – well, we're not talking about that. Well, NFC so I'm just saying, so far I agree with what you're saying. However, yes. you should really temper your expectations on Devontae Adams because he got his try, <laughs> and I don't know that he actually succeeded – uh, I think that perhaps you should look a little bit to the you know the new rookie. Uh, to I know what Sean had said before is that he thought he perhaps could take over that job, Ty Montgomery. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, again, I, I say temper your expectation about a second year guy. The rookies are always a coin flip at best to perform at like a 500 yard four touchdown basis. Yeah, you know? and you know the games when he does catch touchdowns, Boykin or Adams that is. Uh, two of those games, he had one reception. One, the other game, he had only two receptions. So he's not being thrown to a lot. A lot of these games, so he does have a couple games where he had a lot of targets, but a lot of them are two to four targets only. He had 66 targets on the year, only 38 receptions. You'd like to see a rookie guy who's not getting a lot of opportunities to bring that percentage up a little bit more. Uh, to at least like two thirds of the catches, like Nelson does, but, but or, he's, he's, or he could be like Cobb. He's not fantasy relevant. He's not on the radar right now. Um, the only I, I would maybe draft him for depth at the end of a draft in order to uh, have a fill in if one of the big two gets hurt, or hope that he kind of starts to break out. I'm keeping the guy off my radar, but I understand. Okay, so you're, you're hoping maybe he comes up in his second year because of of the whole roster. Uh, I don't believe that. I think Cobb and, and Nelson might even get more targets. But it, it, and you're right about Montgomery, too. It could just be him taking over Devontae Adams' place. It's tough, though. So is, is we'll see the, what they the, kind of slap people into. Well, in the, the third wide receiver position has always been crazy, right? The only well, they time, need a third guy to catch the ball there. But the only time it really got good and interesting was when James Jones was the third guy. And that's because... James Jones just had this knack for catching those touchdowns. Well, the other thing is James Jones, when he put up big numbers, was the second guy that was before Randall Cobb came. Okay, so so that's the thing. Uh, a third guy in Green Bay uh, might still get enough catches to, to look interesting, but I'm saying it's fool's gold is what I'm saying. He might look interesting. He's not going to get you any points. You don't start him in fantasy football. Would you start this guy in fantasy football looking at his stats? Devontae Adams? Yes. No, yeah. I, I can't. There's, really, not, there's not really a reason for me to even have him on the team because there's no situation in which I would put him in. It's all it's like it's totally just a roll of a ten-sided die, and that's not good enough for me. Yeah, so they don't have Jamichael Finley anymore at tight end. Correct. And you know their their only options at tight end. It's Richard Rogers, right? <clears throat> it's Richard or Andrew Corliss. So. Both of those guys are very underwhelming. Neither of them is going to get more than maybe two or three <clears throat> catches a game in a good game. Right. So it's got to be the third wide receiver who is going to be the one to pick up this slack. Because Aaron Rodgers is a prolific passer. But last year, Jermichael Finley didn't do anything either. Jermichael Finley wasn't on the team. Exactly. So if he wasn't, <laughs> and Devontae Adams being their third wide receiver didn't accomplish much, then why would you think that a new third wide receiver or, or a new year would, would bring more? Okay, well, let's see who last year uh, were the big receivers. So, um, well, we know it's Cobb, right, and Nelson. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, let's see who actually caught the most passes after them, right? So, 
it was 15, 19, and 1287 for Nelson and Cobb, respectively. So they're catching 2,800 yards of Aaron Rodgers uh, passing for 4,300 yards. Yeah. So if he is able to just spread it out amongst the rest of the guys, then maybe there isn't anyone else. Because there's not. It was Devontae Adams at 446, then Eddie Lacy at 427, and then Andrew Corliss at 323. None of those... Do you I mean, see where that number, if you have the standard deviation between those numbers, it's all going to be very close, right? Yes. So so if you have all these guys that then he's spreading it out to after the first two, you can see my point. There is no third wide receiver. It's just the entire team is the third wide receiver. There was only 76 targets to the two tight ends combined. Uh, to Corliss and Rogers combined, and there's no reason why that would change this year. Yeah, so they don't use tight ends very much there. They're going to run the ball a lot with Eddie Lacy and throw it to the and, big two, and they're going to give plenty of attempts to James Starks and John Kuhn. And Aaron Rodgers is going to run the ball a bunch too. Are are Starks and Kuhn like fantasy relevant at all? Or Starks only if Eddie Lacy gets hurt. Kuhn. Only if you're in the deepest of leagues and touchdowns matter more than anything else. So then all it is is, is Lacey, Cobb, Nelson, Rogers. That, right. that is the Green Bay Packers. Right. My uncle's actually in a league where uh, running yards, uh, rushing and receiving yards are more to the tune of what standard quarterback yardage is. I thought you were going to say where he owns all four of them, and I was going to be like, <laughs> can I bet on his team? And then uh, <laughs> it'd be fun to bet on other people's fantasy teams. Well, we should start that website. We'll, we'll have that at our fantasy football bar. Okay. Uh, so we're building this idea from scratch. But yeah, in that league, it it matters way more having touchdowns rather than yardage. Like a two hundred yard game isn't going to net you the points that two touchdowns will. And Kuhn's still not very good in one of those leagues. And Kuhn isn't. Well, I mean, two years it would ago, have to be a deep one of those. Two leagues. years ago, he scored a couple touchdowns. What did he score this year? He scored two. Uh, one rushing and zero receiving. One touchdown. That's not even worth owning on a team. Yeah, I mean, look, Eddie Lacy had 13, Nelson had 13, Cobb had 12. Aside from that, like it was just a, a three at the most for everyone else. So we agree. The Packers only have two receivers. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> you'd like to see a third guy emerge there, and that would probably take the Packers to another level. But that's only when the, the second guy is injured. Is when, when a third guy will come up and, and start to, to do well. Look, we, we've seen that. With the Broncos of 2013, you can have three wide receivers just go absolutely nuts. And I, I'm i waiting for another one of these really good quarterbacks to have that. But it's just that they just don't – none of them have enough talent around them. Well, it could Maybe be, it will be Ty Montgomery. It could be the Steelers or the Backers. I'll, I'll do these, both these offenses. But who's the third guy on the Steelers? Is it going to be – who's it going to be? Wheaton had 700 yards last year. Martavis Bryant had 560 and eight touchdowns. They just signed Sammy Coates, who is like a huge touchdown, like crazy. They're building to that, is what they're doing. Uh, the Packers, I think, are building to that too. Uh, no, don't get me wrong. You introduced uh, Devontae uh, Adams, is it? Is that what his name is? That is his name. Uh, as a, a third wide receiver who could perform well. I, I would say, is it possible that he's the third guy? So I think you're right. I think they want to do it. I think they tried to do it. I think he wasn't able to do it. Now, maybe this year he can. He can catch a couple more. Or maybe the new guy that they drafted, you know, maybe uh, I think his name is Ty Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he is able to fill in. Or maybe both of them together can combine for those uh, those catches. I mean, it's not always a bad thing to have people rotating. I, I'm giving you the uh, example of the Steelers 
Well, last year, Martavis Bryant had about 50% of the possessions on offense, yeah. and Marcus Wheaton had about 50% of the possessions on offense. Well, if you combine their stats as a receiver, then they probably have over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. So the way you put that makes it sound like maybe they had equal opportunity, right? Sure. Uh, so Marcus Wheaton had 86 targets, and Martavis Bryant had only 48 Point is, they, they were in for this the same amount of time, etc. Martavis yeah. Bryant was a red zone guy, and Marcus Wheaton was a, a possession guy. Well, yeah, I mean, Wheaton was given the benefit of the starting but, job. But let's look at what you said, which is, is there going to be a team that has the ability to use three wide receivers? Uh, I'm just giving you an example of the Packers and the Steelers, both teams that finished 1-2 and two in offense last year, yeah. uh, as being those teams. And well, the Steelers' I, offense was bolstered by... Their second and third leading receivers were a running back and a tight end. Yeah, but as I just said, uh, those two rotating positions that together only equaled probably 105, 110% of snaps, you know, um, were able to go for over... 110% of snaps. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know what you mean. Is, a, is probably over 1,000 yards, maybe 1,100 yards. For the two of them... And 10 touchdowns. The two of them had 12, yeah, 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. The two of them combined into... A uh, top 10 wide receiver. Yeah. And and that's just the third guy. Yeah, but, I mean, you're losing Heath Miller. And Le'Veon Bell is not catching 1,000 yards. I'm sorry? I guess my point is that, uh, going back to the Packers... Well, we're not here to talk about the Steelers. Right. But, I'm just giving you an example of how, like, this exists still. It's yeah. just being broken up. Like, Aaron Rodgers is the same way, right? He could throw to one guy for 1,200 yards, but instead he breaks it up among all the people. Well, right? he had two guys, and they were like 15 and 12. No, but, I mean wide receiver three, right. tight end, and then the rest of everybody else back. was very, yeah. But very you just, sparse. but you just said like uh, the Devonte had 400 something yards, and then the guy right below him had 400 like something yards. Yeah, or like yeah. Yeah, you're right, you're right. So, I mean, if Rodgers didn't spread it out, he could have a third guy. Yeah, well, Roethlisberger threw for, I think, 600 more yards for I'm the sorry, whole I season. I meant uh, Rodgers. Yeah, and I think Rodgers, with a dominant third guy, could bring that team into the, you know, you know, 1,000 for three different guys. So that's why they And they had 1,000 for four different guys. That's why they Rogers. drafted Ty Montgomery, though. So keep an eye on him, I guess, is uh, the... What we take away from their wide receivers, and don't worry about their tight ends. Well, think of us that that spends, uh, you know, the past I don't know day thinking about the Green Bay wide receiver situation. Exactly. Uh, and think of the coaches and uh, you know offensive uh, coaching staff, etc., who is is thinking about how Aaron Rodgers throws. Okay, so we're we're saying they could easily have a third guy that is covered by a terrible safety or defensive back of the opposing team uh-huh. and is not able to uh, you know, handle the mismatch, right? Right. So what are they doing? They're slowly trying to get a third guy, but they're trying to do it under the radar, right? They're In not, a manner of speaking, They're yes. not trying to get, like, Kevin White on their team. They want, right. I don't think that they identified wide receiver as their most glaring need. They want a guy that could be that guy, but will slowly, subtly be brought into it. Not only because it's not their most glaring need, but also because they don't want everyone to know that they want Aaron Rodgers to throw to him. <laughs> based on what we said at the very beginning of our discussion about the Packers, that they don't 
ever sign free agents because they only use their draft picks. And the fact that they're winning the division and going to the playoffs almost every year means that they know how to draft. We can basically assume that Ty Montgomery is not going to be a flop. Yeah, he'll be taken he into their system. He'll be he'll be take off, but he won't be a flop. Yeah, and and Devonte Adams isn't a flop, and that's not what I'm saying either. <clears throat> it's just it's just that is Aaron Rodgers going to take this year to make it the offense where one of these guys who's the number three WR is relevant? That's tough. I mean, look, someone's going to have to probably throw for closer to five thousand yards to get a bunch of you know one thousand yard receivers. Yeah, and and he could do it. He can. Uh, Roger, well, you know, I wonder how Rogers actually has done in the past. But let's a a Ron. Since we've been on the Packers for so long, we have been on the Packers. Let's for talk quite about a Eddie Lacy and uh, just a little bit about where you would draft him, and then we move on. Yeah. So Rogers is forty three eighty one last year, the third highest of his career. He's only peaked out at forty six forty three. Maybe it's a part of their scheme because they do run the ball a lot. That is going to benefit Eddie, Eddie Lacy. Um, last year he finished sixth overall. Well, there's a reason why points. some people put Eddie Lacy at number one on the draft board, and that's because one, Aaron Rodgers is not a guy that's going to throw for five thousand yards, fifty five hundred yards. It's not going to happen. He's going to have controlled great throws in great situations, and or he's not going to need to throw. He's going to run the ball or to, not need to throw it. Yeah, yeah to make up. So Eddie Lacy is in a good spot here. Could he be the guy that that for more than you know uh, one year, more than two years, uh, sits in the backfield of of Green Bay and and becomes someone who's going to finish in the top five of running backs? Absolutely. So you look at who finished at the top last year. You had Demarco Murray and his absolutely insane three hundred and ninety two carries. It was ridiculous. Okay, he had more than a hundred more than the next. Top scorer. Every single carry in the Cowboys offense was DeMarco Murray. So Le'Veon Bell had 290 with 83 receptions. So he had a whole lot of work too. Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch is getting a little old. He had a lot of work. Matt Forte we know is got a ton of miles on him. Arian Foster's got a ton of miles on him. Has injury problems. We have a lot of older running backs in the, at the forefront right now. And you've got Eddie Lacy who when you combine his rushing attempts and receiving receptions, he's under 300 still. Which is far below that line of death that was set at 363 or something like that? 350. 350? Okay. Yeah, Eddie Lacy right now is like all that you could possibly want in a dynasty running back, for example. And even the year before, he only combined for uh, about 320. So... He's not been worked to death, but he's very strong. They're working him, uh, you know, up to like ninety percent of his capacity. Well, he's got and two leaving or three, some in the tank. Two or three years of three hundred and fifty carries on him still after this year. Oh, easy of of high production. Well, at those carries at those kind of carries, people usually only last. Running back sales an average of about three years, uh, but the really good ones, the really strong ones, the really uh, the guys who are very um, the really good ones can do with this for eight to ten. No. The, okay, the Hall of Famers could do this for 8 to 10. 8 to 10? Who? Emmett Smith? He's Matt not Forte a, is at 8. And it's an argument whether he'll get in the Hall of Fame. Still. Matt Forte didn't have these stats for 8 years. Oh, yes, he did. No, he didn't. He did not have 300 carries for 8 years. Uh, well, we're combining touches here. Well, because Eddie Lacy hasn't had 300 carries in a single year. No, but I'm not saying it's against Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy is actually a really great pick because he didn't have those carries. Yeah. Because he's good for another three years. 
I'm saying Matt Forte is great. I am not arguing against Matt Forte. But I am saying... He's only had seven years so far. But not of 300-plus touches. Um, and I would say one, two, all but maybe two of those seasons. Well, okay, one of those seasons was very nearly 300. Two of them were under. So f- four seasons of over 300 touches. Which means that according to the While law missing, of averages, uh, he has this year maybe... I know, he's only missed five games in his career. He's played 107 games in seven years. Something bad is, is about to happen to Matt Forte. Well, we'll get to Matt Forte in a little while. Because <laughs> he is in our NFC North. So, um, Eddie Lacy obviously is going to be very strong this year. I think we can both agree so on that. So where do you draft him? I like him... Regular league. Who's better than In him? a standard league, who would I take above him? Yeah, who's better? Um, see... You're having problems. The and personal, I, of course, of course. The personal things come in because, like, I was really high on Eddie Lacy last year, and at the end of the year, I was proven, I guess, correct. But I'm not. We had this conversation like, the other day. You said yeah. that Eddie Lacy was disappointing at the that beginning is, of the season. That it doesn't matter. It doesn't. You're right. I, I, I'm totally sold on your side of the argument. What was from he? That top discussion. five. He was six. Yeah, number six. If and you, I, I just named off all those guys above him. They've all got too many miles on them. Even if you draft Eddie Lacy number one. If he performs at number six, you're still fine. And that's what I suppose I this disappointing don't performance agree you with. had was fantastic. How would you not agree with it? Because when you draft the number one guy, you want to at least get the one of the top three, not one of the top six. Do you know what the average is of drafting the number one guy? Look, I'm sure it. I'm sure that it's not. You know, it's probably like twenty. The odds of doing it right are are, are very poor. You, but usually, the, the guy is so big. No, usually the guy will either be you know top ten or he'll be terrible, and you won't even be playing him. So if you're six, how could you have a problem with that? That's amazing. You're looking at your. I think you're you're hitting yourself too hard here. If you had a league, and I don't know what league that would be, but if you had a league. Uh, that you drafted Eddie Lacy in and you felt bad about drafting Eddie Lacy, you're insane. I'm sure by the end of the year I would have been fine. Well, you you have you harbor some like something about that's it. what I'm saying is like my Why? hesitancy beco- comes from you know feeling like he didn't perform up to the expectations that we had for him last year. It's not true. So what I'm explaining is don't listen to me being hesitant. I am hesitant because, you know, there's something stuck in my brain that shouldn't be. So you're saying that he performed well. I'm saying don't listen to me. You're saying that he performed well, and then he performed well, and now you're hesitant. Explain that to me. It's, like I said, it's more of like... How can he perform well two years in a row and you're hesitant about him? What, what is the negatives of Eddie Lacy? What, what would you be hesitant about? It makes no sense. Because to he's going to be drafted as the number one guy, and I don't think he's ever going to be the number one guy. And that's my problem with it. He's always going to be like, five is his ceiling. Yeah, but okay? the odds that you draft a one guy and he's one are not very high. I understand They're that. They're like nothing. I understand that. But I feel like I can have a better chance than most people at picking that guy. And who's the guy? Who's the guy? Who's year? the guy this year? Yeah. The, a guy who I wouldn't pick at number one. I think it's going to be Adrian Peterson. <laughs> but but I wouldn't pick him number one either. It doesn't make any sense for him to be the number one guy. Look, I drafted. We, we've done one mock draft this year. I drafted, I think, second overall, and I hate that spot. I don't want an early pick this Who's your year. pick? I think I picked Adrian Peterson. 
I don't want an early pick this year. Oh my god. I want late picks. I want to take wide receivers first. <laughs> You're going to be so mad. I know that game. I know that it's successful. I know how to do that one. I the, picking the running backs early, man. Like you have to, and they need to go because they're so valuable. Well, if you do end up picking second or third or fourth, you can't really pick a wide receiver. Okay, if he falls to me at four, I'm taking him. I, th- I, I think, think that that's where I'll set my line. It's never going to happen. And that's uh, maybe maybe I set those lines because I know they're never going to happen. They you, always do. Eventually. You just don't want him, but see, you, you're the, you're thinking about it, but you're not. I you, don't want to take him with the first pick. You're not thinking properly about it. I don't want to take him with the first pick. I don't think he's worthy of it. I just don't think that he's ever going to finish as the number one guy. Do you think Where that he, he can have a fifteen hundred plus yard season? How long has Eddie Lacy been in the league? Two years. And and what did he finish uh, in two thousand and thirteen? Like uh, in terms of fantasy points, yeah. Um, he was, and I've got this right here. Um, he had almost the same yardage, almost the same numbers. Let me get one of those. He was also uh, sixth that okay. year. So he was sixth, and then, and then sixth, sixth, right? Yeah. And you don't want to draft him number one, okay? What What was the number two? The number two guy in twenty thirteen was Lashawn McCoy. No, no, no. What we should look at is is who is actually being drafted at those positions. Because I think the point is, number one, the first year, Eddie Lacy was was not drafted in the top five. Correct, because okay. he was a rookie. Number two, in the second year, Eddie Lacy was drafted in the top five. Uh-huh. In most leagues. Uh-huh. But he was drafted towards the bottom of that. Um, Like, end of the first round, yeah. And? Where did he perform? End of the first round. He he lived up to where he was picked last so year. So he's either performed... ADP. He's either performed up to or... or Exceeding expectations every single year he's been in the NFL. And what is the trend we always see? That people perform. What do you have people against are always, I don't. I just don't think he's the number one pick. How, how do you take a guy that has performed six and six and not pick him? Look, I guess this boils down to. In the first couple picks. The first couple, fine. Like I said, I'd totally take him at four. Where did Adrian Peterson finish last year? <laughs> That's an unfair question. Where did he finish last year? Like last, essentially. Where was he? Where was he picked last year? Second, first, third. He was picked with with Lashawn McCoy and Jamal Charles. Why don't year. you want any Lacy? Do you want to give me more examples? Like I said, like I was trying to get to, anyways. What do you have against Lacy? No, I think that this is more of you and I have a different fundamental approach to our draft because. You look at the top pick and you say, if I know that with my top pick, I can pick a guy who's going to finish top 10 in his position, that's a safe pick. But when I have the number one pick, I think, who is going to be the best player this year? No. And I try and target that person. No, that's bullshit. That is not safe. The first year, Eddie Lacy was a rookie. He wasn't even being drafted in the first round. You- he finished number six. The second year, he was being drafted at the end of the first round. He finished number six. Right. You want me to make a decision. I think he should be the sixth best running back. Why? Because he finishes six every year. If you have someone that finishes that high in the overall rankings, then they have a huge, huge, huge uh, benefit. And for their positional rankings. Over the anybody else. Because if you're consistent in that way, that's more important in fantasy games. If, if you're scoring 40 points in one game and zero in the next, you are, you're kind of a bullshit fantasy player. 
you want a guy that scores, uh, you know, 17 points every game. That's what everybody wants. Because well, yeah, that, that's everybody going to, wants the consistent guy. That's going to make you win. And if you're consistent, uh, especially when in the first two years you weren't really even drafted, I mean, come on. I, I just don't see it. I just don't understand it. I don't understand why you would not want a guy in the first uh, in the first pick that will, no matter what, perform out of the top six players in the entire NFL. I my point was who would you draft? Speaking of him? very specifically about the first pick, you know, I want to find Adrian the Peterson. guy who would be number one. So you take the guy that was gone all of last year and then held out half of the camp this year uh, and is older. No, I think Adrian Peterson is a bad pick at number one. Well, then who would you take? <sighs> who are you taking above Eddie Lacy is what I'm asking. I want Le'Veon Bell, but I don't want his suspension. You have to take Le'Veon Bell like three. You have to let right. someone else take him one or two. I think for the first time in many years, if I get the first or second pick, obviously, you know, this is the beginning of June. Who we're talking about this. I would really try hard to trade my pick. I don't like anyone who is quote unquote supposed to go at the top of the draft. You don't want I don't a, want them at the beginning of the draft. I want to pick in the middle. You don't want a guy that finishes number six overall. I do want that guy. I don't want to take the number one pick, the pick that you're supposed to use for the best player in the league, and pick a guy who I know isn't the best player in the league. Who's the best player in the league? Who's Adrian Peterson is the best player in the league. <laughs> do I need to keep saying that? I don't agree with you. Really? Okay, 16-game bet. No, no, I shouldn't say that. How is he the best player in the league? How can we bet Adrian Peterson versus Eddie Lacy? Because we need to make a bet and then move on to the next team. <laughs> well, well, we'll bring it up afterwards. That's okay. fine. Uh, go ahead and move on. I just... I, yeah. We'll, At this we'll talk point, we it. need to agree to disagree. Just because, By the way, I don't even like Eddie Lacy. I know. <laughs> but it doesn't really matter what I like. What what matters is what he's done. I see done. where you're coming from, and I understand you don't like that approach. I just don't. You don't like don't, him either. I don't know why. That's the reason why you're not going to draft him, right? There's a few guys. Everyone has that in fantasy football. Yeah, there's it, a few guys. It could like. be a whole show. It's like what guys aren't you going to draft him? Why not? Or or who do you always draft? Because why the fuck not? That was like Kenny Britt last year for me. I picked him up at the end of every league, and like it didn't work out. Yeah, but those but those end of draft picks don't matter anyway because you always drop them. It doesn't matter. True. True. Kenny Britt. He actually did pretty well, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, last year the Lions made the playoffs. Lions. Uh, but they were the vi- the victims of Des Bryant and Tony Romo making ridiculous plays, uh, whom then fell victim to the Packers doing the same thing to them the week after. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to say if they've made enough moves to improve their team, and I certainly don't think that they're going to be passing the Packers in the division. But what they have done... Is. Well, I don't see how the Bears or the Vikings could beat the Lions, but I don't think that they'll that beat the, the Lions are going to beat the Packers, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, so they've added or re-signed. Uh, Jeremy Ross is a re-signed. Uh, Lance Moore they've signed to a one-year contract. They need wide receiver depth there. They've only got Golden Tate and Megatron. They drafted Amir Abdullah. In, yeah, but those guys are pretty awesome. Who? Tate, the, Tate and, and Johnson. Johnson, yeah. Johnson is like twice as awesome as most players in the league, unless your name is Antonio Brown. <laughs> so Amir Abdullah is running back. 
drafted in the second round. They got rid of Reggie Bush this year. Uh, so it looks like Amir Abdullah is going to be the guy who uh, is going to probably start out as the bottom of the death chart, but he's going to rise up. He's going to, uh, f- you know, he's going to replace Joyke Bell, right? He's uh, got to at some point it, during this season. So we'll see. Uh, it looks like that might happen. In fact, Joyke Bell doesn't look like he's completely recovered from his injury that he had last year. That's why Detroit's bringing in guys like Ben Tate and some other uh, and some other people that are free agents just to try him out to see where they're at right now. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of scary to be honest with you, right? Uh, to to be Detroit and and see that now. The cool thing about Abdullah right now is that he is working with the first team offense because Joyke Bell is not 100% not able to do anything. So uh, he started off as the number one running back in the OTAs. So we'll see how he does. Stafford actually said he's got great hands, got a good feel for route running, got great vision. There's actually a huge article about how Stafford thinks that Abdullah is the best running back on the Detroit Lions. Uh, which is kind of that's a, a if you get the endorsement of your quarterback, that's huge. It's a big slight to Bell, but heck, Bell isn't even healthy. Uh, and then you've His got name is Joyke. You've got Theo Riddick, <laughs> uh, who did pretty well to fill in for Reggie Bush, and that's kind of like a third down passing back job, and that's very important in PPR leagues, etc. But not in a regular redraft league. Theo Riddick is not draftable, not in those <laughs> leagues. Understatement of the night so far. Yeah. So you've got Joyke Bell. And Abdullah. And which one will take the job? I think there'll be some kind of combination the whole way through. Um, to your point, I think we were talking earlier about this, that maybe uh, Joyke would start it off and uh, and perhaps uh, Abdullah could uh, come up and take his job away from him. But maybe they just split carries. Or maybe he's not going to be okay for the season and uh, Bell splits carries with Abdullah. I don't know. But they're going to end up being some kind of percentage, those two. Uh, and we'll still see uh, the other gentleman, uh, who I forgot his name, because he's not relevant in fantasy football. <laughs> I forgot his name, too. Now you're going to make me look him Theon up. Theon Greyjoy? Is that what it was? Theon. No, Reek. Ah, Reek. Okay. <laughs> got it. Got it. Not Theon, my lady. Reek. But, uh, so his name is... Robert um, Paulson? His name is Theo Riddick. <laughs> his name is Theo Riddick. Wow. So obviously they've got their quarterback situation figured out. Matthew Stafford is the guy there. What do you think about him? I like Matthew Stafford. He is clearly the second best quarterback in his division. Um, he's never going to be better than Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers could potentially go down as one of the best in the league ever. I think a lot of people think that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just you know, it's funny that. In an era where Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are playing, a lot of people will argue that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league. He just can do everything and looks like he makes it look easier than anyone else. Peyton Manning is clearly working very hard on the field, and Tom Brady is clearly concentrating very hard on looking suave. So Aaron Rodgers is kind well, of like one of them made, the mix between the two. One of them won the Super Bowl. Both so, of them have won the Super Bowl. Uh, All three of them have won Super Bowls. Uh, Peyton Manning. One of them has done it many times. Peyton Manning has a very bad ratio. Look, none of only one of them has Bill Belichick as their coach. I think that that, more than Brady, is the most important thing on the Patriots. 
So, anyways, uh, going back to the Lions, they did make a couple of they, they more than anyone else has made the biggest moves on defense. Uh, and Dominican Sue left as a free agent, and he signed with Miami. And Haloti Nada, who we uh, mentioned, I think, when we talked about the AFC North show, has left Baltimore and was acquired by trade by Detroit. They realized they needed to replace Sue. And Haloti Nada is an amazing player. Is that going to impact the fantasy offense? Not the offense, but uh, I guess my point with this is that their defense is still a good streamable option. I don't really care where you draft defenses, but um, in terms of, I, I stream defenses. That's the way it goes, right? And there's still going to be a good option. Okay. So, talking about the Lions. Now, we, we talked a little bit about Abdullah and uh, Bell. So, do you agree with what I was saying? That it was kind of, it'll end up being kind of like, a, I don't know who's going to be in charge? Yeah, you take it, you take it. No, okay, I'll take it. And Abdullah is going to be the guy who winds up at the end of the year. If he's not injured, guy. if he performs... Yes. If he performs is the, what we were worried about. Yeah, but it's not a sure thing. Sure. Um, and then as far as the wide receivers are concerned, you have uh, Calvin Johnson, who's obviously a, a WR1. However, uh, this year, uh, because he didn't perform super awesome last year, now granted he had 1,300 yards and four touchdowns, but it's I'm, I'm sorry, that, that was Golden Tate. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> who, di- who did a pretty good job. What an amazing... Misread. He did a pretty good job, but he had Cal- 99 receptions. Yeah, he was really good, and he'll probably have continued to have that kind of thing uh, going on. But Calvin Johnson did not perform as well last year as he has in the past. However, he's not an old guy either. How old is he? 29. Calvin Johnson is 29.257. Yeah, okay. Which means 257. He'll be 30 years old for the season. But he'll be fine for, for a year purposes. or two. He's still going to be Calvin Johnson. He's Wide gonna... receivers have a much larger window than uh, than running backs. He's been in the league for eight years total now. He's entering his ninth year. He missed three games last year. And I would say at least two of the games he did play in, he was a decoy and not in there in order to... Yeah, but if he's healthy in and in this year, he's going to be amazing. And he always is because he's Calvin Gonchin. Oh, totally agreed. And uh, Golden Tate uh, is still going to do well, in my opinion. I think he's one of the undervalued wide receivers in the NFL right now because he's on that offense on Detroit where Stafford is going to throw the ball a million fucking times a game. Yeah, and, and, and they're a pass-first offense. Yeah, yeah so... Um, what we're kind of looking at on this team is the running back situation. We're wondering, since Bush is gone, uh, is Drake Bell going to be the guy? Is Abdullah going to be the guy that you just want to start with from the beginning of the season? I think that we're going to learn a lot more in the preseason. So pay attention to the Lions. There is going to be some fantasy value emerging uh, from the preseason, from the very from the first couple of games of the season. Okay. Um, they're tight ends. Do you like any of those guys? Pettigrew, Ebron, Josephoria. I like I like Pettigrew of the year that he had a bunch of catches. He in, if you had a PPR league, then Pettigrew might be a top ten guy. Um, I think that a lot of people think that Ebron is going to be a really great tight end. I disagree. I think that he still is dropping passes, and he's not really the guy with the pedigree that they thought he was. And I don't think he's going to end up being something special. I just don't. Yeah. Uh, I think that the Detroit Lions will be like a lot of teams in the NFL right now. Take that tight end position and split it among two or three people. Have a blocking guy, a passing guy, but still, none of those guys are really relevant to my fantasy team. Exactly. And that's sort of the point here. So, we're going to take a quick break and we will come back with the Minnesota Vikings. 
Cheers. Pause for a minute. Uh, I've mentioned a certain player at least a few times tonight, right? So the return of Adrian Peterson is the story of the Minnesota Vikings in 2015. They're getting him back. He's He, he has in the past been one of the best players in the league. All right. I think that based on his uh, current health, his current rest, he can again be the best player in the league. Sure, he has a really good relationship with uh, the team and, and all the management and everything. <laughs> it's terrific, right? Um, so, uh, you know, I don't want to have to play against him. He is going to play this year, regardless of how his relationship goes with his team. Look, with the team, it matters a lot. With the management, it matters less. I think that he can still be a good team guy. I think a lot of the players are still going to respect him. The coaches are going to want to use him. I don't disagree with you that AP will be running and running hard and be performing in the top echelon of running backs this year as long as he stays healthy. Totally agree. As long as he stays healthy. So he's 30 years old. Um, you know, that is kind of the top end for running backs. Uh, but To perform he, at like a top five level. I mean, you've got, you, you could perform at a top 20 level for a long time. That's been proven, right? Uh, right, but we're not, we're not looking at, we're not drafting Adrian no, Peterson to be a top 20. We guy. want someone who can run for 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns. That's what I'm looking for. Yes. Totally. And to be honest, you know, in fact, aside from last year when he had zero touchdowns because he only played one game, he had double-digit touchdowns every single season. Mm-hmm. Dating back to his rookie year, uh, over a thousand yards, all but one of those years. So, do the other running backs factor in? Do, does the team do anything uh, to sort of get back at AP? Like, as far as like the the coach or the offensive coordinator, do they do they change things up? I mean, they're not a playoff team, but they they're are going, not. They're going to try as much as hard as they can. They're, it's not like they're going to to try to fail. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But are they going to try to run some of those younger guys to see how they're going to do? Maybe spell him a little bit? Maybe affect his fantasy numbers? Or do you think that's not going to happen? I think that kind of similar to the way John Fox may look at Matt Forte in that he's at the end of his career. We're going to just get every ounce of performance out of him as we can. Especially since um, 
he's not making many friends with management. It's not like management's going to hold the coaches back from using him as much as possible. I think that Adrian Peterson provided, like you said, he's healthy and cooperative in terms of playing is going to be a guy who gets the ball 25 times a game. Okay. Well then if he gets the ball 25 times a game and he stays healthy, that means he is going to be a top five running back. Absolutely. I can totally see that. Matt Asiata and Jarek McKinnon are going to be pretty much irrelevant unless Adrian Peterson is not playing. I personally have an issue with the drama that has happened over the past like year or so. And whenever there's a bunch of drama like that, I tend to think that things won't go on as usual because they tend not to. So for me, I, I agree with you. I think there's probably about a 75% chance that things go okay Okay. And he's a top 10 running back, no problem. But I do think that there's a good chance as well, maybe a 25% chance, that because of all of the crazy shit that has happened, that he ends up either like, you know, running off his mouth or doing something, uh, you know, outside of the team or uh, maybe... Beating a coach with a stick. Uh, whatever it is that he does, <laughs> I, I think there's a, there's a small chance, uh, not infinitesimal, but but smaller than the other chance of, of him doing not as well, which is why I'm not going to select him as a first pick in the draft this year. Okay, would you take him at number four yes, overall? Yes, but he'll never never fall to that. Probably not. Okay, so... Uh, I would be stupid to not take him at number four. Additions and re-sign. It just, that's how I felt about Eddie Lacy. Totally, I, under, I agree. Okay, so... Uh, and you have to take Eddie Lacy at number four, too. Uh, totally, that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> we, additions should do, we should do a Lacey-Peterson bet. We, we, should, we have to. Yeah, so additions and signings. Uh, Matt Asiata was re-signed for a year, obviously, uh, with the turmoil that did come from Peterson last year. They need to... Uh, they need to have some backup there. Sean Hill is a quarterback who has a two-year contract now. He's clearly the, the number two behind Teddy Bridgewater, who will give, be given the opportunity to start all 16 games. They signed Duwan Harris and Brandon Bostick from the Green Bay Packers. We talked about those guys earlier. I don't expect them to have an impact fantasy-wise on this team. Um, no, they have Kyle Rudolph and obviously Adrian Peterson and Matt Asiata. Right. Uh, so real quick with the rest of the guys, they did draft a couple guys who might be fantasy players, but they're only in the fifth round. I don't anticipate them being relevant. Uh, they got rid of Greg Jennings, uh, who went to Miami, and they got rid of Christian Ponder. And the last uh, deal would be uh, Mike Wallace. They acquired via trade uh, with Miami. So now the Vikings have a problem with who are they going to go with at wide receiver? They have Mike Wallace. Charles Johnson, Jarius Wright, and Cordell Patterson. Okay, so who's the, the best, most consistent wide receiver that they've had for the past year? The answer is Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson last year. Okay, and who is the second most uh, you know, consistent guy, consistent guy? That's, that was on the team last year? That would have to be Jarius Wright. So, well, do you, do you not expect uh, Charles Johnson and Jarius Wright to kind of open it up with Mike Wallace easily making his uh, inbounds into that team uh, as the outside guy. Sure, I see Mike Wallace doing that. I don't know that... I don't know who's going to be fantasy relevant here. Who I really like as a pass catcher on this team is Kyle Rudolph at tight end. Sure. So I think that uh, Kyle Rudolph and Adrian Peterson are the guys who are going to be drafted as starters right away. Teddy Bridgewater, a QB2 at best. Um, So... He's going to probably not be on the fantasy radar of anyone other than two quarterback leagues. Um, 
so that leaves us with the wide receiver position, really. Uh, Mike Wallace is a big name. He's got a lot of talent. Charles Johnson is a guy who performed the best last year. So Cordo Wall- Patterson has a world of potential. Wallace has done well even when his quarterback and manager don't like them. But not always. Generally, he has, Miami he has performed well. So that that if he is there for the number one receiver job, which he is, and he's being paid for it, he's going to get the majority of the passes, and he's going to get really good passes. Now, the question is not uh, can he perform. The question is, is Teddy Bridgewater the guy to stretch the field with Mike Wallace? Is Teddy Bridgewater a stretch the field kind of guy? That's the question. I don't know enough about Teddy Bridgewater to say that. If I remember correctly, he's the kind of guy who is really good at throwing over the middle, at throwing the shorter passes. Not necessarily known for throwing you know, the long bomb. Well, the then time. it's just Ryan Tannehill again, which means he'll probably get somewhere between four and ten touchdowns, depending on how often they target him. Yeah, I mean, you know, when he had a guy who liked to throw it down the field named Ben Roethlisberger... He averaged 19.4, 21, 16.6 He'll yards be boober bust again. He doesn't have that guy, unless Teddy Bridgewater is that guy, and I'm not prepared to say that he is either. I don't think he is. So, so that, that means that for us, that, that for us, uh, Charles Johnson and Jarius Wright are the guys. Charles Johnson is the better bet. Uh, as like probably a wide receiver three on your team, they could put up some pretty good games with a touchdown. Uh, I don't think Jarius Wright is the good guy here unless unless uh, Johnson and Wallace fail to produce, in which case Jarius Wright last year had a couple games where he did pretty well. Uh, and Cordell Patterson, to your point exactly, uh, is a guy that has all the talent in the world but has yet to really express it after his first year. So um, it's tough to draft any of these wide receivers. But if I was going to draft any of them, I would say Charles Johnson late enough that I can get him as a value wide receiver three. And for me, that is probably like seventh round. And that's tough. I don't think he'll last that far. Oh, really? Okay. Don't you think that in most drafts, Mike Wallace is the bigger name will go first? Mm Mm-hmm. So, isn't it possible that you can get Charles Johnson? Yeah, but where is Mike Wallace being drafted right now? Uh, I mean, I don't know his ADP. Um, Well, that's what I'm saying. Let me look him up. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, one of the things you're always looking at is chemistry. Right now, Wallace is being drafted as the number 32. So, that's early fourth round. Hold on. That's not 32 wide receiver, is it? Yeah, wide receiver. Oh, Okay. So is he still the highest ranked Minnesota Viking being drafted? I'm a little off. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Wallace is currently being put at the 62, which is in the seventh round. Seventh round. And uh, Johnson, he's like 85, which is more than the ninth round. Okay. So you can get him a little later. So what we're saying, I suppose, is. Let other people take Wallace, wait, and take Johnson. I agree. Totally agree. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, if you get that Johnson, seems to be the early approach to the wide receivers Johnson on this in team. like the eighth or ninth round, even if you reach for him in the seventh round, he can still be a wide receiver two, three in a lot of those games. 
He has certainly the potential to do that. And when you're drafting him that late, he's depth. He's not one of your starters. Sure, and talking earlier you know, to you, you were saying that Minnesota might be one of the most improved teams. I certainly could see that. I love their coach. Um, now I need to look it up. But he was the uh, defensive coordinator on Cincinnati when they did hard knocks. That was such a funny episode. He's the red-faced I mean, guy. I show. Mike <laughs> Zimmer. He's red-faced and now wearing purple instead yeah. of orange. So, uh, Kyle Rudolph, obviously, grab him. I think it could be a really good match as long as he stays healthy. He should be maybe like a Greg Olson kind of guy on that team. Where That's how I look at it, totally. Where he's getting a lot of receptions and a lot of uh, touchdowns uh, and, and looked at as the most trusted guy as, as a receiver on the team. Yeah. So, to sum up the Vikings, um, I say go for Adrian Peterson. Um, I don't. I, I say go for Kyle Rudolph. But I, I like think Johnson that Rudolph, though. I, I think that their wide receiver situation can remind you of what Seattle's gone through the last couple of years, where none of their guys are actually fantasy relevant. No way, because if you talk about Seattle and you talk about those people that have been on their team, they've never had years like Mike Wallace has had. I mean, That's true. they don't have talent like Wallace. He can run. He can run super fast. He can stretch the field. You have guys like Johnson that are really good athletes. I totally disagree with that. Uh, you can't compare him to Seattle. I know what you're trying to do. What you're trying to do... I'm, I'm saying the, the, the end result of the fantasy What you're trying production. to do is say that, that their fantasy production might all even out because they're just going to spread it around. And yeah, not there's gonna not going to be one guy who emerges. That's how I see it. But that's not what you said. You know, I, I mean, come on. That's not how I presented it, but you're right. How I look at it is there's only... Seattle uh, has been a bunch of guys that have done garbage until Jimmy Graham is is been put on their team. Right. There's only so many snaps to go around, and Adrian Peterson is getting a lot of them. All right. Um, <laughs> now, what was once your favorite team in the NFL, and which could still be, I'm not sure. But uh, I've Of known, all the NFL teams, I suppose they're my favorite. I've known you for quite a while, and I feel like your your love for the Bears has grown from, from your team to a team that you like a lot. Well, I think that my knowledge of the Bears has increased. Therefore, my... Uh, level of enjoyment that I derive out of their success has gone down because I don't appreciate uh, them as an organization as much as I do other sports organizations that I root for. So, that being said, um, Go Bears, well, they we're in changed, Chicago. They changed up their orbs, We will so. be burned. So, I am very optimistic as to what's going forward, but I was just as, I was at least as optimistic when it came to the Tressman organization uh, and you know, we all know how that works. I should go back to a previous podcast where I probably said he's from Canada, has a flappy head, and you shouldn't trust him. I'm pretty sure you would have said exactly that. <laughs> but you, you already know me. I'll I, drink for that one. I'm, I'm pretty sure I was never on the uh, on the Bears train to Tressman. <sighs> you never bought into Tressman's toolbox of concepts? The toolbox that has like three plays in it that they <laughs> tried over and over again. So that being said, the Chicago Bears have added John Fox at head coach and Ryan Pace at GM from the uh, New Orleans Saints. John Fox, of course, uh, the coach of the Broncos and the Panthers. I believe he is the um, second coach to bring two different teams to the Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure that, um, oh, the guy who used to coach the Packers. Uh, and then the Seahawks. Uh, Mike Holmgren was the first one to do that. Okay. Anyways, um, that's going to be 
that's going to mean a lot of changes in Chicago. So he has the a last track record, time, which which is why he was hired. The last few times that the Bears have made a change when they hired Lovey Smith, when they hired Mike Mark Tressman. Well, what did Lovey Smith had a lot of success? What did Lovey Smith do? Lovey Smith defense made right? it. He was a defensive guy. He made yeah. it his priority to beat the Packers. What did Mark Tressman do? Mark Tressman's an offensive guy. Offense, right? The offense was. Okay. In terms of Bears offenses, it was prolific. So what what is John Fox? John Fox is both, I suppose. He's kind of more of an all-around coach. He likes to run the ball a little so bit. So he's neutral, right? I I mean, okay. If so what, so if what, he's either offensive or defensive. You just said he was both. neither. Right, he's both. So what should we expect the, uh, the Bears fantasy football output in 2015 to be? Neutral? Uh, well... I you know you're not gonna have, you're not gonna return to the Bears team so Bears you, defense of the past. You agree with me then? That is going to be all amazing. They'll be kind of middling or above average. Yes. Yeah, I mean you're not gonna have many more options than say the Minnesota Vikings. What? I said many more. You know. You, well, they, they okay. The Vikings have two solid fantasy options. Okay. You look at the Chicago Bears, and for sure you're starting. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, and you're starting Matt Forte. But other than that, for sure, you're not starting any of them. Right, because Forte is a guy that has been uh, among the first drafted for a long time, and maybe now is reaching his apex. Uh, which doesn't mean he won't perform well this year. In fact, I think he will. So do I. But I think he is probably going down after this. You know, it's kind of, that's how it works. I mean, he's, he's honestly reached the top of the triangle. That's how it works. Yeah. As much as people want to disagree with me, it, you really can't by like a statistical point <laughs> of view. I can point at numbers and show that I am right. So uh, you have a guy like Matt Forte who will be at the best of his game. All he has to offer, uh, you got to feel bad, first of all, for Forte because he's not going to a Super Bowl this year. He's never going to win a Super Bowl. Um, but He's never even going to go to one. Then you have a guy like Alshon Jeffrey who's sort of coming up, right? And uh, Brandon Marshall was helping him along. Whether or not you believe the stories about them bonding and doing stuff in training camp doesn't really matter. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey has put up good stats to prove he can be a WR1 on a team. Now, he did have some bad spots in last year's games. And that could also lead some people to believe that he's not worthy of that WR1 spot or that someone else could eclipse him like a Kevin White that they just drafted. Yeah. But... What I do know is that both Jeffrey and White are going to get a ton of passes and be fantasy relevant, both of them. Do you agree? Oh, totally. I mean, Jeffrey had... But but the offense that John Fox is is bringing out is not going to be total passing. It's not going to be like Trestman's. So are there only three fantasy relevant players in this team? There's going to be another fantasy relevant player. It's either going to be the tight end or another receiver. Because Jay Cutler is going to throw the ball for 4,000 yards. And because of that, there's going to be guys getting catches. Wide receivers don't get penalties for interceptions. Has Jay Cutler always thrown the ball for 4,000 yards? Uh, he's been close to that, I believe. Between three and 4,000, I'd think. But he's missed a lot of games. So if you but extrapolate why, it, why, then it's like 4,000 every year. Why, well, first of all, you can't extrapolate it. And second of all, why would a guy like John Fox have Jay Cutler pass the ball 4,000 yards when the majority of Chicago and sports radio and fantasy football pundits think the problem with Jay Cutler is throwing the ball. 
<laughs> well, I mean, if the problem with your quarterback is the way that he throws the ball or that he throws the ball, then clearly you need to change your quarterback. And, of course, that's what the Bears would like to do. Uh, John Fox was given Jay Cutler. It wasn't his choice. He doesn't have a better option. Uh, Jay Cutler led the league in interceptions last year. That's the second time he's done that. And he wanted to trade Jay Cutler, and that was that's public knowledge. And last year, Jay Cutler was benched in favor of a clearly, clearly inferior player. Yeah. So how do you think Jay Cutler is going to feel coming into this year where he's not needed or wanted in Chicago? Knowing knowing that we do what we do about Jay Cutler because we are Chicago natives. So the fact that people are already making fun of him, can you imagine what's going to happen? I think that a lot of look, if like what people say about Jay Cutler affected him, it would have been apparent a long time ago. Uh, it's been seven six years. This is his seventh year in Chicago. I don't think that you know what people have to say about him is going to bother Jay Cutler. Well, last year's comments didn't bide particularly well, and neither did his fantasy stats. He threw for the most yards he's ever thrown for as a Bear, but he also threw the most passes as he's ever thrown. He was not a very good fantasy player. He was a middling player, and unfortunately his team has decided that he's no longer the quarterback for the future. Now, we're getting more into a discussion about the Bears than the fantasy players, and I apologize. But, no, okay. but what I mean by bringing that up is just that, are, am I sure I can trust like people getting passes from a quarterback that neither the coach, the managers, or the players seem to trust. Um, look, someone has to trust Jay Cutler. Who? Well, the team would completely fall apart if nobody believed in Jay Cutler at all. That kind of. Is it my... did last year, but everyone sort of attributed that to the coach and not the quarterback. But he's like the dying man on a dying team right now. How how will this? How will this be any better? I mean, if teams were falling apart last year with the absence of, uh, you know, strong playmakers, people that, uh, that, that had their best years ever, like, people don't even want to show up for OTAs. Like, how, how are they going to be like a, you know, a team that pulls together? The way, the way they, they can do it and improve on their 5-10 and 10 record... They're going to believe in Jay Cutler? Their 5-11 and 11 record, no, is to play better defense. But if you don't believe in your quarterback, how can you do anything in fantasy? There, are you talking about fantasy or are you talking about the NFL? Fantasy. Well, no, he's not going to be a fantasy... He, he finished 14th last year. Okay. In a year when he threw the most he's ever thrown on uh, on the Bears. So... No, that's not happening again. He's not even going to be 14th. Uh, he's going to be barely above the Andy Dalton line. He's not going to be fantasy relevant. What we're talking about is fantasy, so what I'm asking is, there are really good players on the Bears. Matt Forte, Alshon Jeffrey, Kevin White is a really good player. Uh, so, are those really good players going to be really good in fantasy football? Or are they going to be overdrafted by locals that want them to be good, but the Bears won't be? Being in Chicago, I'm sure that we're skewed by you know the guys who are drafted by the, all the Bears that get drafted in all of our drafts, right? But you're still going to have guys like you know Mike Evans and uh, you know DeAndre Hopkins who put up big numbers and their quarterbacks aren't spectacular. Yeah, you know, but Evans is like a 
a very high pick in the draft. Right, but you know, Mike Evans has had the ball thrown to him last year by like uh, a combination of Josh McCown and whoever else they could throw in there in Tampa Bay. So it's not he finished in a very respectable, I believe, top ten wide receiver position last year. Respectable? That's the best in the NFL. With a terrible quarterback is my point. So my point is when you have these very high quality fantasy players, just because their quarterback is mediocre, average, however you want to put it, it doesn't mean that their fantasy value is going to be affected too much. Obviously, if their quarterback was spectacular, their fantasy value would be augmented. And that's when you get Antonio Brown and Jordy Nelson and Demarius Thomas. Right. So so what I'm asking is, um, last year, Jay Cutler was declining. Uh, and, not exactly. I, I don't understand. You just told me how you thought his numbers were weakening, like he wasn't doing well with the team. The team didn't he believe had, in him. He, he led the league in interceptions. How did those things not... But he also threw a, more yards than he's ever thrown in the Bears. He had the most touchdowns in his career. Um, but it's it's a totally different offense now. Be, it, it all boils down to but they because don't even he want threw him. the ball a ton last year. They don't even want him on their team. How can we trust him? How could anyone ever put If they him? didn't want him as much as you're implying, then they wouldn't have him on on their team. Their second quarterback is Jimmy Clausen. They, un- right. they owe Jay Cutler money even if they let him go. They literally are stuck between a rock and a cutler. Yeah. They can't get rid of him if they wanted to. So they are buying into cutler. No. They were trying to trade him for nothing. And he knows that. And he's so you already think just gonna he's already not do an anything. ass. What I think is that not only will Cutler continue his bears So you think it's not the team, it's the it's the player. Okay. Alshon Jeffrey has done well. Matt Forte is one of the best running backs in football. Um, and Kevin White is a good draft pick. That's pretty much all the Bears have. Yeah. That's what I said at the very beginning of this. Totally agree with you. The but, Bears only have a little bit more than the Vikings But what you have. were saying is that you think Cutler will still throw for a whole lot of yards and make people fantasy relevant. No, I think that he'll throw for enough yards to make people fantasy relevant. I don't agree. I There's going to be. I think this is going to be the terrible decline of a Jay Cutler. So you think that they're going to do even worse this year? Well, Jay Cutler doesn't want to play there. The Bears don't want him to play there. How do you think that's going to work out? Let's be honest. You're in an organization that hates you. People are posting stuff on their newspapers, their magazines, their restaurants, their everything about how terrible you are. That's been happening for six years to Jay Cutler. If Jay Cutler... It gets worse every year. It is, is about as bad as it could possibly be. If he was going to quit over that, I feel like he would have quit a long time ago. He can't quit because then he sacrifices the money that he makes from the Bears. Right, so he is going to play football as well as he can. No, he's not. He's going to be shitty, and so are the Bears. You think he's going to be purposely shitty? Yes. Well, I can't plan for that sort of thing. That is just a, you know, no offense, but it's sort of an out-there prediction. Okay. That's well, how I see it. I think I can see a trend... Of Jay Cutler right now. No? Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, perhaps that's another bet that we could make. Well, I, I don't know how to qualify it. You know. Yeah, that's a weird one to actually set parameters on. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but he's only ever led the league in bad statistics. So twice he's led the league in interceptions. Uh, once in sacks and yards lost on sacks. And then he actually has had one good stat. 
He had the fewest, the lowest sack percentage the last year he was in Denver. It's honestly like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league getting paid the most, which makes so little sense. Jay Cutler went 8-8, eight and eight, but had 4,500 yards, 25 touchdowns, was only sacked 11 times. Wow. He was sacked 52 times one year with the Bears. He's always been sacked at least 23 times. So now... He's at least 19. What you're saying is he's throwing the interceptions instead of being sacked. Um... You know, his interceptions were still up there. Uh, his career interception percentage is 3.4% of all of his passes are interceptions. Yeah, now he's throwing the ball instead of getting tackled. Sure, he's he's making bad decisions. Because last year he led, he was his best year in terms of uh, we watched completion all the percentage. Games. We don't need to like go to stats to find out like uh, the reason why he was making bad decisions. His, his best year in completion percentage, and he still threw 18 interceptions. Because he was throwing all of the balls to Martellus Bennett and Matt Forte. He was making it, yeah, I guess it would have been three yards away from him. So even if he wasn't even wearing corrective lenses and was blind, he would probably still be able to throw the ball to Matt Forte <laughs> and Martellus Bennett. Okay, so let's move off of Jay Cutler, right? Um, we've decided that Kevin White and obviously Alshon Jeffrey are going to be the fantasy relevant wide receivers. Okay. I think that Kevin White will be drafted as kind of like a WR4, um, as the, the top of your bench, if you will. I don't think so. You think he'll be lower or higher? Mm, I think he's way higher than that. I mean, Kevin White was literally a top five draft pick in the rookie draft, which means that he'll probably end up being in the third round. Or fourth round of, of wide receivers? Okay. Well, I would say that that's putting too much value on Jay Cutler. <laughs> I'm wrong. It turns out his ADP is about 68, which puts him in the fifth in round. The seventh sixth, round. Sixth round. 68 would be seventh. Right? Sorry, seventh round. So, yeah, rookie definitely a little bit farther down. What's his WR uh, ADP? Because I've got him between three and four. But when I presented it, I totally think four at this point after our discussion about Jay Cutler. Because I think a lot of more people. So that would be three. Okay. Um, but well, see, people chose people, what I know. People think he's like 18 or 50. That's the problem. Yeah, there is a big range in there. But what I know about Kevin White is that he will immediately go and catch balls, and that's what they need. They need possession receivers. They need someone else that can stretch the field like Elshon Jeffrey. They don't have any other receivers that are proven. So is Marquise Wilson not going to be a guy who can move above Kevin White? No. Marquise Wilson was drafted way below Kevin White. Kevin White is a first-round draft pick, one of the first. Wilson was like the fifth or something. Kevin White is a guy who plays right away no matter what happens. Okay, uh, at tight end, you think it's going to be Martellus Bennett then? I don't see a reason to think it won't be Martellus Bennett. It's not like if he holds out, he's going to really get an advantage over anything. (laughs) He's not getting anything if he holds out. Yeah, so... I mean, even if he doesn't show up at OTAs, whatever, you know, they're still going to pass to him. You want to know why? Because Jay Cutler's going to be pressured, and they don't have a good offensive line. Yeah. And so he's going to pass to his tight end or his running back. Yep. Come on. The, John Fox's offense is actually passed to Martellus Bennett or, uh, or to Matt Forte. That's actually what is written on the notebook. <laughs> Just pass to these guys. <laughs> and then you can throw it downfield every once in a while. That's the other binder. If he has time to get that binder, he'll grab it. He'll grab it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they had 
they had a lot of receiving yards last year still. Uh, but it was spread around a lot because just like the Steelers, the tight end and the running back were two and three. Um, so Alshon Jeffrey did have over a thousand yards last year. I expect that to happen again. He did have 10 touchdowns, which was a lot. Um, could certainly happen again with him because he's a talented guy. He just needs to get the ball in his hands. Do you think the Bears will do as well as they did last year this year? I think that they can do better. They only played five and 11. You think they're going to do the same or worse? Yeah. I'd take that bet. I mean, come on. Betting that, that a team will do 6-10 and 10 or better? What What did they add to their team? What did they add? They added Kevin White and a new coach. So they got rid of one of the best receivers in the past couple of years of football, and they added a rookie. They, they, added, they got rid of Trestman, who okay, gave them tons that's of how you look football at it. offense. That's how you look at it. And they added a guy who has... Neutral offense. Sure. From my perspective, I see that they got rid of two things that were poisoning the team and that they added a high first-round pick to the team on offense. Okay. So, uh, there are there any other fantasy-relevant players you need to discuss about the Bears? I can't think of any. Unless we want to talk about Zach Miller. Well, I like the backup running backs because of the fact that Matt Forte is an older running back. So I think that you need to watch out for those guys. Uh, Matt Forte is no stranger to being injured for uh, a couple games. And when that happens... He is kind of a stranger to that. It has happened. He's only missed five games in his whole career. Okay. Uh, well, I remember that having happened. and Sure. The, that the, did happen. The backup was then uh, put out into... Uh, uh, you know, the first string. And what you have to look at now is that maybe Matt Forte has been pretty, you know, lucky up till now, but he's still 30 years old and has a lot of mileage on him. And what happens to those kinds of players in general, on average? They break down. Of course. But could he be the next Frank Gore? The odds are against him. <laughs> Naturally. I don't know. I mean, I think that... He has better odds than most. Why? Not to say that the odds are good. Why? Why are the odds better than most for Matt Forte? Because he has been used in a very, um, you know, deliberate, not overused fashion. Even though he's had a lot of the offense run through him. I would argue that the offense of the Bears has been run through him for so long that he probably has nothing left. But you were just arguing earlier that he doesn't get the amount of carries and abuse that a guy like Eddie Lacy gets. Eddie Lacy is a, is a third-year player in the NFL. He is, but my point is that... They're not really comparable. You're right when you say that Matt Forte has only had, you know, he's he's going between the 200 and 300 touch mark. He's not being overused. I think he does have the potential to last longer in the NFL. He already has shown it Didn't than you tell most me running backs. that it was only two or three years that he wasn't running for over 350 carries? 300 Combined touches. Yeah. So all the other years, that means he was, which means and it was, he probably has like nothing left on him, man. And it's uh, out of seven years, it's uh, four of the years that he hasn't gone over. So look, he's had a lot of work, but just like, um, oh, I forget who we were talking about earlier. He hasn't been overworked, right? I would disagree with that. I think he is the. He is the guy. Last oh. year was nuts. He's Last the, year was 368 touches. 
I mean, overworked. Uh, of course, he has been. That that's all Tressman. Has I guess been they doing. would put him right over that line. That's all Tressman has been doing is is throwing and giving the ball to Forte. You, even though it's funny because last year, for example, he was one of the most overworked running backs in the league. But all the Bears fans I know said, "Why don't you ever give it to Forte?" Well, because <laughs> because every single down was a passing down and not a rushing down. And he still got the ball a record amount of times. Broke the record for number of receptions. Uh, for a running back. So in summation, I suppose, are you drafting Forte or is he always going to be going higher than you will be willing to take him? No, not I. I I love Forte. I think that he will still do well this year. But I think this is his apex. I think it's beginning of the end for him. I mean, you can't look at his stats and tell me that he is not overworked. That is bullshit. It is literal bullshit. No possibility of you telling me that he has not had too many carries. He's worked right up to the line, and last year he did have too many touches. It's the end of the career. Now, he may plateau and be able to play for three or four more years in the capacity of a Fred Jackson or something. Uh, fine. But he's not going to be the number one running back on the team. I think even more as a Thomas Jones. And I think... Thomas Jones? Matt Forte least, is a receiving back more than he is a, a busting through. Thomas Jones was a receiving back as well. No, he wasn't. The Bears just didn't... Th- Dump the ball off like they do. Thomas Jones was the was the antithesis of Jamal Charles on Kansas City. He was the guy that always played the well, early down run. Before that, Thomas Jones was on the Bears for many years. Yeah, and and Thomas Jones was used with another running back on the Bears. Uh, I forget his name. Both of which who were never Cedric able Benson to really fulfill like what they could have done. Yeah, Thomas Jones had years where he caught a lot of passes. Years where he didn't. It's kind. Of, it, it was probably based on the system. And a lot of this stuff is based on the system more. You, it's rare that you do have a guy like Matt Forte who is going to just be so good at catching passes out of the backfield. Well, look, we don't disagree about Matt Forte. We think he's both going to do really well this year. That's what we think. Well, I thought that we were sort of getting to the point where uh, he has been used too much and he will drop off. No, no. I, I've said multiple times tonight that he's the apex of his career. Okay. And that one he, more good year, he will continue to drop down because he's simply had too much too much usage. You know, he'll be thirty-one next year. He will have been used as a between the tackles back, a, a receiving back. Had a ton of of offensive use from several different coaches. Uh, it's going to be tough for for him to continue on after that point, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said from the very beginning of the day here that, that Forte will have a good year this year. Okay. The the Bears that we should end on here, right? The the good fantasy players that we, we, about a we, few fun things. That we agree on, right, for yeah. the Bears, are Matt Forte uh-huh. as number one. On their team. Alshon Jeffrey as number two. Number one wide receiver on their team. And then the possibility of Kevin White being the number three. Kevin White or Martellus Bennett, but not both. And then nobody else is really relevant. Because their offense is simply not, and their team is simply not going to be good enough to support like more than those amount of fantasy players. Right. So, that's the Chicago Bears. I want to ask you, do black sleeves make you look like a great athlete? Because uh, that's what Eli Manning thinks. He was just kidding. Well, I mean, I know. I get that. <laughs> Which I kind of respect him for even more because he was he was making a funny joke when he knew that everyone was going to fucking take it to their podcasts and news lines. <laughs> and talk about it. Oh my God, Eli Manning's wearing black sleeves and he says she's badass. Well, 
Sorry, Eli. That's racist. Ooh. The white sleeves actually make you a better athlete. Speaking of racist. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, although I do think that the Giants and Eli, with all of their weapons this year, might be one of the best 10 teams in the NFL. And best 10? Sure, I can see that. It's going to be crazy, because they previously were crap. That's true. But the Giants have a history of being crap and then get, making it to the playoffs. <laughs> and then winning a Super Bowl against the Patriots. Yeah. And they Why have the really good players, right? Odell Beckham, Victor Cruz, Jameen, Rashad Jennings, Eli Manning. Eli apparently isn't throwing interceptions in practice anymore. Who's their crazy tight end who scores like seven touchdowns whenever he wants to? Oh. What's his name? Oh. The big white dude. Oh, I forgot. You remember him, right? Oh, I... Dude, I'm not good at the names right now because uh, I haven't been in fantasy mode enough, but I'm good at looking shit up. And his name is not a white guy, Larry Donnell. Yeah, Larry Donnell. So that whole team has positional players that are very good. And if they can, seriously. And you remember two years ago when the Giants defense was ferocious and the offensive line was great? And Ahmad I Bradshaw, remember them sacking Jay Cutler endlessly. Ahmad Bradshaw's like running for 900 yards, like... Look, the Giants could be a crazy team. And we will get to the NFC East at some point in the near future. Yeah, we haven't we haven't gone over those. So, yet. will Michael Vick sign with anybody? Is Seattle a good option? I saw an article about no. that today. Seattle has Tavares Jackson, and he is easily the number two, so Seattle's out of the question. So, he's going to have to wait for someone to get injured in order to get signed. Do you think my, uh, Michael Vick gets signed with someone? Oh, hell no. Uh, maybe as a backup in like San Francisco. He's only like 35, right? You know what he's going to do? He's going to get signed as a 49er and then retire. He's only like 35, right? Michael Vick? Mm, I'm not sure about that. But you missed my awesome segue. Yes. I I didn't miss it. (laughs) You didn't miss it. I ignored it on purpose. Mike Vick is... Yeah, he'll be 35 uh, at the end of the month. I'm pretty good at this game. So (laughs) So he has the possibility of maybe playing another couple downs in the NFL... I don't predict someone picks him up, uh, not right now. But man, you know the, the terrible situation of quarterbacks as they are currently in the NFL. There are some teams that have basically me as their quarterback. Anybody who's a below the Andy Dalton line has thought about signing Michael Vick. Well, I wouldn't be looked at too questionably, you know, stepping onto Tennessee as a quarterback four. I'm like <laughs> I'm like six four, two twenty five. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you look the part in pads. They'd be like, "Uh, he's a little chubby, but you know, uh. we'll just work his ass out a lot in the preseason, see if he lasts." I'll, uh, t- so, I'll take the five hundred thousand dollars. So the 49ers had yet another player retire. Who will be the next 49er to retire, Dave? I would say Frank Gore, but apparently he's a starting running back of the Indianapolis Colts. Apparently he's not a 49er anymore. <laughs> um, okay, next 49ers to retire. Got it. Got it. Um, um, channel the 49ers in your brain. The next to retire on the 49ers, his name is Vernon Davis. And Quan Bolden. Ooh. Now, do you think... See, I guess the joke would have been that it would have to be a young person to be Wait, funny. is Bolden still on the 49ers? Reggie Bush is going to retire. Is he still on the 49ers? <laughs> Anquan Bolden, he is still in the 49ers. Okay. They have Torrey Smith, Anquan Bolden, Colin Kaepernick, Carlos Hyde. No, we make fun of them, but they could be a good offensive team. The problem is they're no longer going to be a good defensive team, and they no longer have a great offensive line, and they're missing their entire management that was making them what they were in the past five years, which makes 
to me, the team, Colin Kaepernick's. And Colin Kaepernick is, is young. So I say they do okay this year. They keep rising up a little bit. Maybe in three, four years, they have a decent team again. I could see that. It doesn't, totally. doesn't seem bad. But there's a reason why all these people are retiring in the wake of Jim Harbaugh. And I must say the reason is probably Jim Harbaugh worked them too much. That's just what I'm thinking. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so uh, finally tonight, uh, Hard Knocks is going to be coming up in a couple of months. The Texans will be featured on the Hard Knocks this year. Oh, I can't wait. We may have mentioned this already on the show, but uh, we're going to talk about it a bunch of times, I'm sure, because we love HBO shows. So uh, who is the one player you are looking most forward to seeing on Hard Knocks? Most looking forward to seeing. For me, uh, I have to say Arian Foster. Uh, guy the warrior poet. We've been following on Twitter, and we, we really appreciate him as a human being. Uh, because <laughs> he goes on Twitter and just like posts some random stuff. He's like, you know, a guy that is intelligent and actually watches and reads and listens and looks at things. And, That's how and, I, yeah. And he sort of, uh, you know, you There's get that so vibe. Many of those people. You get that vibe from his press conferences. Uh, he reminds me of, you know, Richard Sherman before Richard Sherman was, was as popular. Not to mention being one of the guys that have has uh, that have had such great success for fantasy football. He really has, even though his measurables in like the uh, the common events that are supposed to prove that sort of thing don't really add up. Yeah. He has been. Really impressive as a fantasy football player for quite a few years. So to put all that together, I think you know he's one of the players where if I had Aaron Foster on my team and he didn't perform this year and he wasn't really that good, I would be like, "All right, <laughs> go in peace," <laughs> as opposed to being like, "Get fuck, the fuck out shit, of here!" God damn it, you were terrible. <laughs> You know, Thank you, Adrian. I'm like you. You would give the little bow that he does. You it. said Adrian because you're Adrian. you're wow. All tonight, you're just thinking about oh, Adrian man. Peterson. Like, I got some purple Jesus on the mind, folks. Apparently, you, you should, I didn't even realize it until like the show started. You should take a How really good pro long, Adrian Peterson. I am. You should take a really good long look at yourself and in your opinion <sighs> about Adrian Peterson. You're, you're you're literally fanboying over AP right now. I totally am. <laughs> you're right. It's not a good position to be in. Uh, just don't trade any first-round picks for AP or anything. He gets to play right. two games a year against the Bears. Oh, God, that's so good. It really is. <laughs> that's one thing the Bears do not have yet. A is good, a run defense. A good run defense. No. Which is going to be great things for Adrian Peterson. They signed, last year, they signed three defensive ends, and this year they drafted another one. Uh, Ugh. That's a bad sign, folks. All right. So... Um, thank you for joining us, everyone, uh, during the uh, Fantasy Football Podcast. I hope you had a good time. Make sure that you go to iTunes, follow us, give us a review. No, you subscribe on iTunes. You follow on Twitter. And you like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash drink5network. Go to our website, drink5.com. Check out all the goodies we have there. If you have any questions, if you want us to you know, talk about certain players, whatever, email us, save at drink5.com or jason at drink5.com. You can tweet us at drink5. Um, and you can join us next week on Tuesday night, sometime around 9 o'clock, probably a few minutes after. Cheers, Dave. All right. Have a great night, everybody. Drink five.